terrible. There. This coffee here must be left over from the Christmas party. It's got green scum on it. You know, a little mistletoe hanging around the edge of it. But money, too. You know, coffee, if it's old enough, starts to ferment. George, you know. Oh, yeah. Blow the top of your head right off, man. Especially if somebody's dropped a couple of cigar butts in it. Just let it cook away down there. God, you see some awful sights in a radio studio, don't you? I mean, Reese, it's, sometimes it's a veritable zoo. You see the guy going out of here with the tie that lights up? With the stars hanging from his ears? And it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. Look, look, look. We, we, we are a people with very little tradition, right? Let's just turn up the equipment here. We are a people with very little tradition. That's uh, one of our problems. And uh, here it is. It's that time of the year now. You know, it's, uh, it's the holiday season. And uh, every year at this time, uh, I do this thing. It's, uh, you know, that's just in the great tradition of our show. <laughs> it's a great tradition, all right. And uh, what it is is this. Now, George, you, you love to eat, don't you? You're a scoffing type, aren't you? I mean, all men who deal in passion enjoy all the senses. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. So many people don't understand this, that all the senses are important. One must turn up the vast organ of sensuality. I mean, you know, you guys look like an enormous pipe organ. You got to play on Vox Humana. Oh, baby, how are you? Oh, it's Okay. Now she's coming and stealing our turntables. What do you want? Get out of here. you got enough equipment. He's taking a lease on that studio. Why don't you just move a cot in there, you know? Save a lot of rent and everything. But uh, nevertheless, uh, my uh, my feeling is, though, that man... <laughs> I can be nasty, you notice that? That man simply does not realize that his body... Is like uh, like a symphony, you know. It's a fantastic symphony, and uh, some people think of sensuality as only being sex. You know, that's that's the only ball game there is. Well, those people, uh, give me a little uh, sensual music in there, George, please. A little Beethoven. That's that's good. That's sensuality music, all right. Oh God, oh, oh that's fantastic. Some people just do not realize that man is composed of a number of, in fact, an almost infinite number of nerve endings, all of which are prepared to accept whatever goodies you'll hand out towards them. Come on, blow them horns, man. Thank you, George. That's very good. That's, uh, Ornette Coleman there. That's very nice. Uh, you can you can uh, now, uh, if you please, uh, uh, since we brought up the whole idea of sensuality, we might as well bring up part of sensuality that's already discussed, and that's the sense of taste. Taste. You know, this is part of the tradition. Yes, thank you. This is part of the tradition of the of the little thing we do here every year. You know, one thing I like about this time of the season, this this time of year, this this uh, particular season is this is the only time of the year. Really, it's, it's, it's sad but true. And it's a great mystery in other parts of the world. It's the only time of the year you can get that it's possible to obtain in this town one of my absolutely favorite... Well, it's a, it's a sensual experience, is all I can say. 
one of my favorite items of food. It's the only time of the year. What is it? What is it that, that you can only get during the uh, holiday season? What is it? Don't say bourbon. You can get that any time. Well, not any time. I, I, I don't see anywhere around here, but uh, you can... Uh, yeah, this is a desert here, but you can... Uh, what? Friday? <laughs> Fruitcake? Oh, no, you can pick that up any time down on Greenwich. Greenwich Avenue, that's no problem there. Uh, a rum fruit cake. No, you can get rum fruit cake other times of the year, George. No, no. No, no. No, come on, what is it? What is it? Come on, think. Use your head. Use your head. Come on. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It is not in the dessert class. Huh, what? How did you know? Fantastic. George, you're right, and I love it. Did you ever have it? Tremendous, yes. He, he, that, and I have to concede that you're, you're, you must be with it. Nobody, I don't know any, but Jerry wouldn't have thought of that. Oh, you don't see that much at Thanksgiving. You do. Well, that's because you're a man of exquisite taste. Uh, and I will tell you right now, get me that Beethoven horn out there, please. Tonight, I would like to take this opportunity to, to, to salute one of the truly exquisite taste pleasures that is rarely enjoyed by my fellow, uh, sadly, uh, sadly, uh, well, deprived Americans who seem to hang around McDonald's a lot. You know, and their idea of a fantastic evening is, you know, getting a sack of Geno's Big Burgers, you know, that kind of stuff. So tonight... Oh, God, yes, only Beethoven can accompany this fantastic... Would you please, George, give me a little echo chamber? Tonight, we salute... The Majestic Goose. Thank you, George. All it, all it. Got it, George. That's enough. Out with a Beethoven. That's the scratchiest damn Beethoven I've heard in years. That, that Beethoven has got the scratch written right into it, like the timpani part. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you, if, if, there's, if there's anything I enjoy better than roast goose, I would like to know what... Well, there are certain things, but, uh, of course, with the kids up and all that, we can't go into that. But, uh... Nevertheless, uh, if you've never had roast goose, all I can say is that I feel sorry for you. And now, on the other hand, I can say, in a way, I envy you because you will you will be uh, you will be fantastically surprised the first time you have it. You know, this is rarely eaten in America, comparatively. Would you agree, Jerry? And 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 it, it's one of the great mysteries of uh, of the uh, food world. That in other places, like for example in France and in Germany and in England, uh, the goose is considered a prime delicacy. And uh, in fact, that was the whole point of uh, of uh, well, well, you you remember that that great story, don't you remember that great story? Uh, oh, uh, it's about this guy that worked in this office. You remember? Yeah, this rotten boy. And uh, he was having a bad time with the boss. He worked years for the, you know, with this guy. And the boss was a skin flint, wouldn't give him any time off. You remember that story? What was that story? And then, uh, yes, uh, he, and then finally, uh, it was Christmas Eve. And uh, the boss wanted to work that night. You remember? He said, hell with it. What do you mean, Christmas Eve? You don't mean to tell me we're going to knock off just because it's Christmas. What are you talking about? Don't you remember years ago we put in a 32-hour day uh, policy here? What is it, Christmas? Don't give me the Christmas. 
And I, I remember the guy that worked in this office, if I remember correctly, uh, he uh, he was a clerk, I remember, a clerk. And then finally, uh, after a lot of stuff happened, the boss went out and he apparently got bombed or something because the boss was seeing all these, you know, he had all kinds of, uh, well, psychedelic, uh, you know, psychedelic hallucinations really is what happened. And uh, the boss went straight that night. The boss, uh, you know, he signed the he signed the papers, and he came back and he gave that guy that worked in in his office, uh, he gave him this goose, and it was you know kind of a heartwarming thing because uh, they had never had anything to eat back at his house for years. They did they had given up eating years before because this guy this was well before the unions. Uh, they did not have a union at that office. By the way, I'd like to ask you a question about this story if you remember the story. Don't <laughs> get out of here. I'd like to ask you a question. May I ask you a question out there? Since all of you like to pride yourself on being uh, uh, literate uh, Americans, what was the name of the of the boss? The boss, by the way, gave his name to a word in our literature. What was the name of that boss? He used to be played by uh, by an American actor. He used to do it on the radio all the time. What was his name? He was played in the movies by Alastair Sim. Well, you're right. Uh, you're right. Ebenezer Stooge. Have you? Uh, oh, you remember him? And that's where the word Stooge came from. You know, people always say he's stooging around or he's a real Stooge man. Well, he gave his name. It's not many people give their name to become a word in the language. You know, Rube Goldberg did it, uh, but not many. And, and Ebenezer Stooge gave his name to the language. Now, next question. What was the name of the clerk who worked in the office? Do you remember? Don't you remember? Well, I'll give you a clue. He had a daughter named Becky. What was his name? Well, okay, I'll tell you what his name was. It was Bob Thatcher. His daughter was Becky Thatcher. You remember that? And what was the name of the the uh, the boss's partner? The boss had a partner, and uh, and I'll give you a clue. the the, bo- the boss's partner had died, and he was he was no longer among the living, but he later came back in the in the story as a ghost. He came back around there and he was rattling chains and hollering around, making a bad scene around the house. What was his name? Okay. It was Ebenezer Stooge's partner. Any of you remember? All right, I'll tell you. His name was... Well, uh, all right, I'll tell you. It was, it was Hiram Barley. Barley. And the name of the company was Stooge and Barley. And what did they do? What was their business? What, what was their... Do you remember what their business was? It's, it's, we all know these things. You know, the reason I'm bringing this up is because... This is the time of the year that everybody, you know, it's curious, uh, you know, you have these big ritual times of the year like New Year's, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and all the various uh, bits and pieces of uh, Western culture, which we all know, fall into place. You know, like, like for example, nursery rhymes. We all know nursery rhymes. Well, I, I'll bet there isn't one person out there who can remember when he didn't know nursery rhymes. Do you remember actually learning nursery rhymes? No way. It's it's part of your your life from the time you're even before you can even understand who your uncle Carl is. You know you know nursery rhymes. There's not one person uh, who who does not immediately recognize 
Well, little Jack Warner sat in the corner, eating his curds and whey. You remember that one? What's the next verse? Okay, little Jack Warner sat in the corner, eating his curds and whey. Humphrey Dumpty sat on the wall. Yet there's not one person who does not know those names instantly, and you can't remember when you didn't know the name. Humphrey Dumpty sat on the wall. Humphrey Dumpty had a great fall. All, what is the next? All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humphrey together again. Now, there is no, see, this is the kind of thing that makes what we call Western culture. Uh, there's no, there's, there's no, hardly, I'll, I'll guarantee you, there's nobody uh, over the age of uh, three uh, who does not immediately recognize these things. Without, it doesn't have to be, you know, cued in or anything like that. And uh, when, you, when you think about these great things that are part of our time, let's take literature has given great many of these things to us. Uh, for example, what was the name of the... Uh, of the guy who, you, you you all remember Moby Dick, right? The white whale, correct? You remember that? You remember the captain that stumped around on the quarterdeck with a wooden leg? Okay, what was the name of the guy who told the story? It wasn't Captain Ahab. It wasn't Moby Dick. You remember the opening line? He said, call me Israel. That was the opening line. Call me Israel. Now, these, these names... Are, are so in, uh, so integral a part uh, of our culture that it's almost even if you haven't read it, you know. Call me Israel, one of the famous first lines in literature. Uh, this is W O R New York, which of course is also an integral. Really, it's it's an, it's an integral part of the culture. It's impossible to imagine New York without W O R, isn't it? There were, in fact, I've seen it scrawled down. Uh, on the on the uh, beams down in the 23rd Street subway, I saw the other day. There will always be a gambling. It said, "That's quite true." Another one said, "Gambling lives," which is quite true. Underneath, somebody wrote, "Why?" But you know, the, there's always one smart guy in a crowd. You just can't deal with smart people like that. I just don't you hate smart? You know, almost said the real thing there, George. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of you nice people out there just don't know what kind of language I really have deep inside my head that I never use on the radio. I do use it around here a lot, right, George? Bad stuff. I got a spray paint can. I go around and I spray the bulletin boards here, you know, put a little graffiti on there. And, uh, <laughs> the Veterans Administration says that GI Bill training has been the route to success and financial security for veterans for more than a quarter of a century. And the GI Bill offers the same opportunities it always has. It can provide high school, college, vocational school, or professional school training. It can provide correspondence school study. It can provide on-the-job training. If you are an eligible veteran, whatever kind of training you chose can help you prepare for a better job a career that will interest you and the security that comes with higher earnings. Write, call, or visit your nearest VA office today and get the information and help you need to start the training that can make your future years brighter, happier, more secure. In New Jersey, visit 20 Washington Place in Newark. In New York, visit 252 7th Avenue. All right, tire fans, here's a little 
Happy note for you here. When uh, Detroit chooses a new tire for their cars, what do they do? <laughs> well, they do just about what you do, I suppose. They look for durability, dependability, and competitive prices. And uh, according to this spot here, it says we can learn a lesson from them. General's dual steel radial tire was the first polyester and steel radial tire delivered to Detroit for original equipment. The first. The 40,000-mile dual steel radial built with a smooth riding polyester cord radial ply body. So you can get these 40,000-mile dual steel radials from General Tire. And they're available at your local General Tire headquarters. And let's see where the headquarters are. Yeah, in Newark, ask for Ben Robinson at General Tire Service, 857 Freelinghuisen Avenue. And in White Plains, Mike Selvati at General Tire Service on Terrytown Road. But uh, seriously, though, since this is, you know, the holiday season, I like to be a little serious about this sort of thing. And I, I, uh, I always have enjoyed uh, reading uh, some of this stuff over again. Uh, what was the name of the author, by the way? And if you remember the author who wrote the story of, of the man who had that office, and what was their business? What did they do? What did they do in that office? They had a roll-top desk. And Bob Thatcher would sit at the roll-top desk with a green eye shield on. And he would, he would constantly work on the books. And uh, then the time when, uh, when Stooge left the office, went home, and fell asleep, and uh, this terrible ghost of Barley came back and rattled his chains and said, I am the ghost of Christmas what? That's what he said. So see, this gets very complicated. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you know. And yet, yet it's so simple because we all know these things. And, and tonight I would like to talk about the goose, if I may. You know, for those of you who, who have never had goose, I would like to, I'd like to tell you this, that if you've had goose and have not liked it, and, and some people have, that's because it has not been properly prepared. Because goose is not like uh, chicken, for example, which you can, you know, you can fake. Anybody can fix a chicken, you know. It's no problem at all. Uh, although I have, had, I have had chicken that's indescribably bad. I mean, I've had chicken that's been literally turned into bubble gum. Now, how they do that, I don't know. But, uh, you know, but seriously, the goose, if, you, if, you, if you're planning on having a goose this year, if anybody you know is out there saying, you know, I think I'll have a goose this year. Uh, uh, one one word of warning: the goose must be cooked slowly, and it must be cooked thoroughly, and it must be cooked in a way that the that the the, the grease and the fat drains off of it all the time. It cannot be cooked in a big pan like a turkey. See, so the the the, the grease, the fat, just sort of drips out of it. And slowly but surely, this goose becomes a work of art. Now, for those of you who have never had a goose, I'll warn you, it does not taste like any other any other fowl. Do you agree with that, George? It has a distinctive flavor. And the meat is, is dark chocolate colored. Dark. And, uh, and I, I uh, you know, speaking of goose, uh, do you know that this is, there's a group that has been formed which is, uh, which is uh, actually based on doing something about the reputation of the goose, which has got a bad reputation. For example, you know, how many times have you heard the expression wild goose chase? Well, that's bad-mouthing the goose. <laughs> and, and incidentally, the reason they use such a phrase, according to this little thing I got here about the goose, it says uh, the reason they use such a phrase is because the goose is fantastically smart. 
And uh, if you think you're going to chase any wild geese and do any good, forget it, man. It's a uh, keener of ear than the duck. The goose has a fantastic sense of hearing. Did you know that? He has a tremendously sharp eye. In fact, he has a much better eye than a dog. He can see. He's got very good eyesight. And he has a mean temper. The goose is one of the quickest tempered animals around. And they have a long and distinguished history. Did you know that in Europe they use the goose as a, as a watchdog? Yes, the goose is used as a guard. It goes back many, many centuries. And nobody knows how far back it goes, but the goose makes a terrific... Ancient Rome, by the way, was once saved from the invading Gauls because geese awakened the city's garrison. You know, all the soldiers are laying around on their backsides asleep. You know, you know what Rome was like. They had these big parties, drinking and yelling, orgies, running around the swimming pool, you know, with nothing but your jockey shorts on bed, you know. And they were sleeping it off. And, and did you ever read that legend? The geese came started to you know, yell because the Gauls were invading. <laughs> Woke the soldiers up, and you know what they did to the Gauls. They just beat the living you-know-what out of them. Terrible scene. Only a few years ago, the, the uh, geese were used in, in uh, melee when the British Army was there, when the Japanese were coming in. And if you'd like to have a, a really fantastic... any you, Hey, by the way, any of you people in New York, it's a great suggestion. Any of you people in New York live in, a, in an apartment house where they will not allow a uh, dog, you know, some apartment houses. Now, maybe in your lease, they don't mention geese. <laughs> well, I'm serious. There is no better watchdog than a goose. And furthermore, they lay a pretty good egg. A goose egg. Have you ever had a goose egg? Incidentally, that's another thing. You see how they badmouth the goose? What happens when, when, uh, when a team shuts out another team? They say nothing but goose eggs on the scoreboard, right? They don't say nothing but turkey eggs on the scoreboard. They say goose eggs. Well, the goose egg is a big, fat, great egg. and it, It's a good-tasting egg, too, by the way, if you've never had goose eggs. But he makes a fantastic, tremendous watchdog. And he'll just squat down there in your apartment once he gets to know you. You see, it's your goose, you know. And you, you come in there, you know, and you give him a little corn or whatever is a goose. You know, corn. he likes a little corn now and again. And he, you know. And uh, by the way, a goose likes his booze. Might interest you to know that a goose, uh, he, uh, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll hit the jug if you don't watch him. He, he likes particularly, and this may interest you, George, specifically, he particularly likes bourbon. And uh, I'm not kidding you. You think I'm kidding? You know what they do with a goose? <laughs> Serious, George. That that if you if you want to ever, ever want to see a goose, if uh, if you'd like to see the catching a goose is a problem. And this is even a problem on a farm. So they're very fast. They move like lightning, and they will peck you like hell. I mean, a goose will pick you apart. I'm going to tell you, he'll pluck you like a chicken. And he's fast. His head goes back and forth like a hammer. You know, he's really, really a mean animal when he wants to be mean. So the farmer knows this. You know, the farmer says we're going to have a we're, we're going to have a goose tomorrow night. You know, we'd like to get that big one. That big one is squatting back there by the barn. You know, and so every time they get near him, he has a sixth sense. You know, like the crow. That the crow. If you think you 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 know something about smart birds, let me tell you this: that when I lived out, in, you know, out in, the, out in the Midwest, we had crows all over the place. I mean, really big crows. Uh, and, and a crow looks as though you, you could grab him with no trouble at all. He'll sit right by the side of the road. You drive past him. He doesn't even get up and go. You've seen him do that, George. 
But let me tell you this. The minute you show up anywhere near a crow and you've got you've got some kind of weapon to get after him, like I should, like any kind, and you may even have it hidden on you, that crow knows. And he just takes right off. And he's he'll sit down about 200 yards away from you, just out of range. The crow has a fantastic knowledge of ballistics. He knows just exactly how far a 12-gauge uh, full-choke shotgun is deadly. He knows. And he will be 12 feet beyond that. Never never two miles, but 12 feet. So the hunter, many a hunter, has been led into the quicksand following crows. They just keep hopping, looking, hopping. Well, this is the way the goose is. This is the way a goose is with the hunter, and particularly, by the way, with the farmer. So you know what the farmer does? Well, he knows the weakness of the goose. The goose has a weakness. We all do. I'm not even going to ask you what yours is. You all have a weakness. Some of us have a lot of them. In fact, some of us has no strengths at all, nothing but weaknesses, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so how can you call it a weakness? I mean, if you don't have any strengths, there's no point. You don't. You can't have a weakness, can you, George? No? You know, some people are just all bad. It ain't no good. But uh, nevertheless, the farmer goes out, see, and he pretends like all he's doing is feeding the geese. He walks out into the yard there. Hey, Myrtle, time to feed the geese. No, actually, it's a farmer we're talking here. Hey, Myrtle, it's time to feed the geese. All right. He walks out there with this big pan, see, of goose food, which is uh, usually bran or oats, you know, bad stuff like this. It's the kind of stuff that doesn't turn you on, but it does turn a goose on, sort of, you know. Bran, uh, corn, that kind of stuff. But what has he done with it? He has mixed about, uh, oh, about seven shots of moderately good bourbon with it. He's just mixed it up, see. Well, the goose comes wandering over there. He figures, you know, it's just another feeding time. And uh, he sees that he sees that corn there, and he takes one shot at the corn. He goes, you know, he grabs a piece of corn. He starts chomping away at it, that mash. Oh, boy. The good corn has come in today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, well. And within 30 seconds, he has knocked down that entire pan of that bran mash, along with a... You know, with about four good shots of Jim Beam choice. And uh, he's put it away, and he starts walking back by the barn. And at that point, something happens to the goose, just like happens to all of us after four or five nice belts of Jim Beam choice. He starts squatting down, and he begins to sing old barracks ballads that he learned as a young goose, you know. And he gets friendly. He, You know, he walks over, and he, he starts telling the farmer dirty jokes and... He starts wallowing around. He starts chasing the lady geese around, you know, and, and uh, he just goes, uh, you know, well, well, you know, all his guard is down. And 15 minutes later, there he is. He's on the grill. And, uh, <laughs> okay? There's a warning in that for all of us, friends. Yes, John Barleycorn has met the downfall of many of my listeners, many of my friends. Yes, they've made bad moves under the influence of booze. I wonder how many guys have, have gotten involved with the wrong chick under the influence of, uh, of the sauce and regretted it all our lives. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, what's the matter, Nick? <laughs> that stopped him, didn't it? It's the first time he's listened to my show in years. 
Thank God he may le- he may learn something if he hangs around long enough, you know. But that, nevertheless, uh, the, the the lowly goose is a, is a great animal. And I'd like to read a little more of this. It says, if you'd like to care, you know, have a unique burglar alarm, you try this method. You just get yourself a goose. And uh, they're quiet, really. The goose doesn't quack much like a duck, you know. You don't hear much quacking. Uh, he does have one tendency, though. The goose has the most sinister hiss that I've ever heard. Have you ever heard a goose hissing? Have you ever heard a few, Jerry? Well, I've had terrible, terrible relationships with geese. Uh, yes, I had. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, people would grow this stuff in the backyards. You know, there's a funny thing. They, 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 they have a... And they're not going to eat them. They just have a goose. In the backyard, or they have a chicken, or they have a... You've seen people, they have a chicken, you know, pet chicken around. Well, <laughs> one one time in our neighborhood, uh, oh, about two or three doors down, there was this lady who, who bought, got herself one of these great big white geese. Big one, you know, great big... And they're so smooth. The goose is a beautiful-looking thing. He's smooth. And he's got this neck, and it just sort of stretches out. And he has a very intelligent eye, the goose. Well, I'm a kid, you know, and I'm messing around back there, and I'd I'd walk past the fence. She had this fence, and I'd take a stick, you know, and I'd just stick it in the fence and run like hell, past you know, I'd go past with a fence, see, and I did it for one reason, because the goose lived under her back porch, and I'd run past, and the goose would come out, and his wings are outstretched, and he'd stand looking between the bars of that fence couldn't get his head through. And his head would wave back and forth like a snake. And I'd stand about four feet from him, just looking at him. And his eyes are red. He'd be going... And he'd, he'd, he'd pull his head back. And then he'd jerk it forward like a snake. Have you ever seen a snake strike? That's the way a goose goes. He'd just go... And he'd lunge forward. Well, this went on for about three months. Every couple of days, I'd think of a goose. And I'd be walking down the alley, coming home from being a safety patrol boy. I wonder whether or not being connected with the law leads you to unlawful behavior. I've often wondered about this. Now, I'm serious about it. Uh, I, I uh, you know, after all, when you're a kid and you're a safety patrol boy, you are the law. You're the kid law. I mean, you're, you're, you know, and, and, and more, I, I did more bad stuff now that I think back on it when I was wearing my safety patrol badge with the white belt and all that chance than I ever did before I was one of those guys. For example, we got out of school early. This in itself leads to crime. We were the only kid on the streets. You know, and all the others are still squatting in there singing stuff in the singing class or something, you know. And th- I'm walking around. That was the, you know, it was during the during the, a patrol boy uh, stretch of duty that me and Schwartz knocked off the uh, fire alarm. But just he just threw a rock at it, knocked it right off the right off the pole. And uh, you know, we spent a good afternoon hiding under the porch that day. But <laughs> and I just wonder now. It just hit me. I wonder if there is any connection with being uh, with being too close to the law. You know, being the law whether it leads to being illegal. Very close connection there. 
So I'm coming home every day from being a patrol boy, and I'd walk home. See, I was home early. So I'd walk along, and I'd see that goose. Well, if there were other kids with me, I wonder if I'd have done it. And I'd take the stick, and this goose would come running out. He never learned. He would come running out every day, and every day he would run up to the fence and, you know, slam on the brakes. Something about that popping stick made him bucked. Well, this kept up for maybe five or six months. Well, you know, just casually. I'd go past, I'd do the thing with a stick. And the goose would come running out every day. <laughs> One day, as comes to all, I want to warn you, kids, if you're planning a life of crime. And I don't suspect that you plan a life of crime. What I think is, you know, you just sort of develop a life of crime. It's not something you just sit around and plan. I think what I'm going to be when I grow up is a pickpocket. It uh, doesn't work like that. You just sort of slip into it, right? Well, uh, I, I I was slipping into crime there, see, and, and it was a sadistic kind of crime. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was I was a goose heckler. Uh, I was I was a working uh, harasser of geese. One goose in particular. He had a name. I don't know why he was named. His name was Fred. And uh, every day I would run past, and this woman would come out. And she'd hear the goose yelling. She'd hear me run past with the, with the stick. And it was like a ritual. She'd come running out, and I'd hear her, Oh, yeah, stop running! Stop running the goose! Will you stop that now? Stop it! I'm going to call your mother! And she'd go back in. And the goose would stand by the fence and go, And I wouldn't say anything. I'd walk right up past. Oh, he looked with such hatred. Fantastic hatred. Well... And, uh, and this, I don't know quite how to approach this. It is a fact that in any pursuit of a life of crime, there's always one mistake made. Now, if you're lucky, that mistake will not cost you. But if you're like most people, it will. You agree? That's what, look, the pens are full of them. Every one of those guys made one bad mistake. Yep, they got caught. Well, yeah, but how did they get caught? They made a mistake. They didn't get, just get caught. They made a mistake, you know. Like, uh, for example, uh, uh, you blow the front of the safe off, and instead of uh, using uh, one-tenth of an ounce of nitroglycerin, you use four-tenths of an ounce. Kaboom! And you're blowing 400 yards right into the jailhouse. Well, you just used a little bit too much, you know. Mistake. Or, uh... You know, you're sitting around a bar, you've just knocked over the 7th National Bank of Pitcairn, Pennsylvania, and you sit around there, you get a couple of belts of bourbon, and you say, hey, uh, listen, those guys on the TV, they don't know nothing about it. Well, the other day, me and Louie, <laughs> we knocked off the 7th National Bank. And next thing you know, you're blabbing around, and two guys come in, laid a hand on you, and it's 15 years in Atlanta. It's the mistake that gets you. Well, I made a mistake. I come past this place one day, and I don't know what the hell made me do it. I walked past this fence, and I got the stick. I should have looked. I just take the stick, and I go... I start running like hell past this fence. I get all the way to the end of it. Just at that moment, as I get to the end of it, I see my classic mistake. The gate was open. That goose came running out from under the porch, 
he came running fast, mad like hell, you know, and he came running up to the fence. Now, this goose was used to stopping. He came running up, and suddenly he sees the gate is open. And he comes flying through that gate with his mouth hanging open, going, ah, ah, and I never knew geese were that fast. My God Almighty. I ran down that alley with that goose after me. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I'm trailing smoke. That goose is coming after me. His neck is sticking out. You know, he's been plotting this all of it, you know, his whole life, you know. And here, all of a sudden, he's got me in his sights. You know, it's like seeing that, you know, it's the Red Baron. He's got this plane right in his sights, you know. He comes running, and I'm running. I didn't know what to do, you know. And I run down the alley. Ah, ah, he's going, ah, and I can hear him nipping and packing away at me. Oh, he got a big beak. I run up the back porch, <laughs> and I grab the back door. I open the back door, and that, that mother, he comes running right after me. He goes, wow, he's in the kitchen. I run through the kitchen. My mother's standing over the sink, you know, the goose comes running right in, and he's flapping his wings. Ah, ah. I run, and I slam the door in the jar, and I run into the pot. All I could do was run the toilet. I, t- I threw it like that, and I could hear my mother screaming. Hey, what's, this? what's going on? Ah, ah. And I hear her out there, my old man, he comes running up from the basement. And I hear him, he's got this big... He comes running up, you know. What is that? What is that? Kill it, George. I don't know what that thing's doing, but it ain't playing. Well, I want to tell you, man, it was fantastic. We had a goose in the kitchen for about five minutes. Now, that's... I, I'm, I'm going to... You know, it's going to sound like a fiction. It's going to sound like fiction to a lot of you. But it ain't. No way. And ever since that time, you know, I, he came... Well, I'll tell you what he did. He came flying into the kitchen. See, my mother's hanging over the sink, and he just came in. Well, of course, this confused him. Probably the first time he was ever in a kitchen. <laughs> he comes running in. He ran into the kitchen table. Hit his head on the, on, the, on, the, on the leg, you know. He ran in there, flopping his wings. He staggered around. He's kind of knocked a little cuckoo, you know, hitting that thing. And I'm in the jot. My mother doesn't know what the hell this thing is. It's a gigantic thing flapping. She screamed. The old man comes running up. Well, about five minutes, they're chasing this thing around in the kitchen with a broom. And finally, he leaves. You know, they kick him out the back door. <laughs> he runs out in the porch. And now, wait a minute. You ain't heard the last of it. He stays out in the porch waiting for somebody to come out. He's going to get him and hiss it. And that lady comes over, and she is screaming like mad. And she says, you got my goose. And the old man says, get him out of here before I kill him. She says, kill him. He's going to kill you. And he's sitting out there hissing and banging away. And ever since that time, I've had a profound, a profound respect for geese. Yes, sir. And I want to tell you, <laughs> it's a very strange animal, the goose. May I do a commercial here? You got a, you got a, you got a little uh, uh, music in there for me? This is, this is live. All right. All right, let's, uh, how live can you do a general tire? I mean, uh, we'll try. When, when Detroit chooses a new tire for their cars, they don't just jump at the first tire that rolls by. No way, friend. Uh, many of them use the 40,000-mile dual steel radio. That uh, big, beautiful general dual steel radio from General Tire. Get that 40,000-mile tire, and by the way, it's available at your local General Tire headquarters with the big red G. Yes, sir, Gene. Let's see. In the Bronx, you can see Murray Lester at Bronx General Tire 579 Grand Concourse. <laughs> yeah, he's never. You know, I'll tell you uh, one more thing. I'd like to. I'd like to uh, say about the goose, though. He may be mean, 
Maybe there is a correlation between meanness and good taste. He may be mean, but man, he tastes great. Uh, that's right. Uh, he, he really does. And, and every year at this time, there's one place in town, for example, that I always go. One, as long as I've been in New York, it's, it's very hard to get geese on the menu. You rarely see goose on menus in restaurants. Do you agree with that? And, and every year at this time, there's one place in town that I go to. There's several places I know. There's a place down on 14th Street. Lou Shaw's has it. Uh, but on, on 44th Street, right, out, right around the corner from the station here, uh, the Blue Ribbon. You ever been to the Blue Ribbon? You know about it? Well, the Blue Ribbon's on 44th. You ought to go down there. It's uh, right off of Broadway, between 6th and Broadway there. Oh, man, every year at this time, that goose is on the menu. She, I mean, it comes out, and they do it right, you know, with a little red cabbage on the side. God. <laughs> oh, you know, and it, 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 it makes this season uh, uh, worthwhile, in spite of all that yelling and hollering and people plucking away at you in the crowds and, and the writing words on the side of your car when you park it and all that jazz, you know. Somehow there's a few good things left. But the, <laughs> I would tell you, though, that that goose, I've had my trouble, you know. that I'm probably the only guy you know who was not only attacked once by a goose, but I'm the only man I ever heard of who was physically attacked by a peacock. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Maybe it is that I look like a grain of corn. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, friends, I can tell you this. That the, a, a goose would make one of the most fantastic watchdogs that you could ever have here in New York. He's squatting there next to your, next to your TV set. And the goose gets to know you. They get to be a pet. They do. And if he does not know you, can't hear you, George. <laughs> if he doesn't know you, if the goose does not know you, his sense of smell, his sense of sight, his sense of, of danger, imminent danger, makes him one of the best watchdogs in the world. That many farms use the goose as a watchdog. But I can see this watchdog in, in your apartment on, uh, you know, 86th Street. Some guy's trying to get in the... Tra training? He don't need no training. How do you train a goose? Well, you can sick him on your uncle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you train them, but they, they're, they're natural-born watchdogs. The goose is, is naturally unfriendly to anybody who ain't feeding them. That's really basically the point. So if you start feeding your goose... Uh, after a while, uh, anybody that shows up and starts knocking on the door and climbing in the window is going to have a great big thing climbing all over them, hissing and yelling and pecking away and biting. And so tonight, housebreaking? Well, the goose doesn't have those problems. The goose has very exotic plumbing, folks. And uh, we'll go into that. That comes into a later... Uh, that's that's next semester. That's uh, for the later crowd. How you housebreak a goose? Well, I don't know. That's a whole chapter. <laughs> And so tonight, once again, we've saluted uh, Ebenezer Stooge, Bob, Bob Beck. What, what was that? Don't you remember Beck? Beck? Oh, of course. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith. He's got the news, of course.